Hi, it's Jackie from Sistership Training once again. We're on part two of the chat with Lisa Blair. So I hope you got to see part one. We continue talking about the coldness, the condensation and how she tackles that. And also what's coming and how she's going to deal with it. Lisa's very candid about herself and this is a, a lovely interview. I feel really privileged and lucky I was able to have this time with Lisa. I hope to have some more. Watch this space. Have a look at her website. Lisa Blair sells the world. Take a look at her book. She has some great merchandise. Her book is really a good read. It's, it'll keep you up at night. She's got some merchandise with some old sales from previous, before she had new sales, made in some really nice bags, other merchandise, beanies and so forth. So please try and support her on what she's doing, not just because she's brave and incredible and inspirational, but also for the scientific research she's doing along the way. It should help us all one way or another. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this. Here's part two. So you're cold, it's cold. So um, how are you coping with that? What are your techniques and tactics there? And, and also condensation, is that a problem? Uh, well, the temperatures are pretty balmy at the moment. I've got nine degrees on deck, which is like summer <laughs> weather down here. Um, but it did get down to 3.5 degrees the other day and that was cold. Um, yeah, it's... The boat's insulated quite well. The core of the boat is balsa wood. Um, so that keeps the temperature out quite well. So inside the cabin, there's normally about five or six degrees warmer than outside on deck. Um, but when I am outside on deck, it's the wind chill factor that's just brutal. So you end up having, you know, 3.5 degrees air temperature, and then you've got 20, 30 knots of wind plus sea spray and you pop away and suddenly you're icy, icy, icy. Um, and it's my hands that suffer the most. Um, I still haven't found a good set of gloves that allow me to get them on really quickly in a hurry if I've got to get on deck. And so more often than not, I bolt up on deck without gloves on and I just suffer through the pain and I just, but I'm only on deck for the period of time it takes me to do a sail change. Um, and yeah, quite often I'm uh, in tears from the pain of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it can be quite a bit. Um, and uh, weather-wise or, or clothing-wise, I've been kitted out really well by Musto. So um, I've got so many layers of, um, you know, base layers, thermals, mid layers, vests, um, neck warmers. So I've got my new sexy climate action now beanie. Um, so yeah, we've just, uh, it's, it's, it's more just minimizing exposure and staying inside the boat and instead of being on deck in those cold conditions. And um, the biggest thing is just making sure you stay dry. Uh, but yes, yeah, so far condensation hasn't been too much of an issue, which is really good. Um, it was a big issue last time, um, but it was mostly an issue last time across the South Atlantic Ocean. So I'm expecting it's probably going to be a bit of an issue across the South Atlantic Ocean again this time. So yeah, we'll just have to see. Yeah, well done. So I just want to put perspective of um, like Antarctica is almost twice the size of Australia. It's big. And so you're over a third of the way through now. Is that right? Yeah, so the day after Cape Horn should be my halfway point in, in about eight or nine days. So, um, yeah, so I'm easily a third across. 
That's fantastic. That's really great. And the interesting thing is you're sort of going from the South Pacific into the Atlantic. And I noticed on one of your blogs, you said, oh, well, the South Pacific is the easy bit. So what are you expecting down the line? Well, I can only base it off my first record uh, in 2017. But in 2017, the South Pacific allowed me to get some sunshine. There was as many storms as there were calms and, and moderate conditions um, whereas the South Atlantic was just all storm like I never had I, I think I saw the Sun for one day once in the whole of the South Atlantic crossing uh, it was mostly 30 to 50 knots of wind and six to eight meter swell the entire way across the South Atlantic so I'm expecting that it's going to be quite similar conditions this time um, heavy fog a lot of that misty kind of dewy kind of rain conditions um and uh yeah pretty bleak <laughs> and then the south indian i don't have a good basis for for this record because last time i did it in winter in the southern ocean and that was brutal um so i know it's going to be easier than what i suffered through in winter in the southern ocean but i'm expecting it'll probably be quite similar to what happened in the south atlantic and be fairly consistently 30 to 35 building to 50 knots in the storms, um, you know, and on the calmer days, it's five to six metre swells, and on the rougher days, it's eight to 10 metre swells. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm expecting that that's the conditions coming up. So I wanted to get a lot of room on the record in the Pacific crossing, because I knew that this was gonna be my calmer section of the trip. I also know that all the gear is at its best in the beginning of the trip, because the sails are new, like everything's rigging strong, like everything's new new and um, at its best so it's a good opportunity or a good time for me to push the boat um, that little bit more in and get those extra miles under my belt in the beginning um, so yeah that's what I've been trying to do yeah fantastic right I'm just stopping there for a second because I want to know how you're going for time I haven't I haven't been talking that much so my throat's sore <laughs> you're doing great because you sit there and you're going and you don't even know you're doing it you got and I feel like I should be swaying with you <laughs> it's just so, I am so wrapped to be talking to you. I can't believe I'm talking to you while you're where you are. It's just blowing me away. No, it's nuts that the technology is so good. I had a check in with my sponsors at Canva yesterday via Zoom, and we we're all just like, oh my God, I can't believe we're talking to each other in the Southern Ocean. <laughs> I'm so excited. I was up so late reading your blogs last night, catching up with some. I'm reading a lot. You do an incredible job. Um, it's so great to talk to you while you're doing this and, and I'm wondering if everyone's sitting there doing that with us. Um, you talk about the, the equipment and the boat, the boat, you've done a great job and you're all together. What about you personally? What are you, what are you missing? What am I missing? Yeah, like something frivolous, like, you know, a bar of chocolate, a hug, oh, a tree. Oh, give me vegan ice cream, um, Mexican food. <laughs> Pizza, beer, <laughs> a hot shower, be yeah. a hot shower. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't been able to clean myself for like three weeks, and it's driving me nuts because there's so much salt build up in my layers that it's just getting itchy now, and that irritation from the salt. And so, yeah, I've been waiting, trying to get a clear enough day to have a bath um, before I change my layers. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it'll be a wet wipe. Um, 
bath and I'll just have to do it in the middle of the storm because it's enough's enough. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think I'm um, being able to wash my hair. Yeah, and um, little things like being able to walk from one side of the boat to the and not fall over if I, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely just um, shower is always the thing I crave the most at sea is, is that idea of being able to have a real nice hot shower. Uh, yeah, I always seem to crave like... You're back! <laughs> well done, well done. Okay, I, I think we're going. That, that, yeah, I can imagine like when you get back and have like a, a 20 minute long shower, that's just going to be oh, unbelievable. Yeah, just like, and every time I get back from a record, I never get a shower, ever, because everyone's there to see you and you're like, you know, it's all the celebrations and it's not till like the next day that I get a shower and it's the one thing that I want. <laughs> That's good. There's a message to everyone that meets you. Let her have a shower. <laughs> yeah, well, I normally have like a bucket bath or something the day before arrival, so I'm at least smelling fresh enough for the public, but... <laughs> Oh, that's great. So how, how do you, well, that's obviously an important thing and wet wipes are a, a great sort of uh, band-aid to keep, to keep you fresh. Um, but resting is hard. You've talked about the exhaustion um, as you go on. How do you wind down? You have a lot to do and then you're laying in your bunk. How do you switch off? What are your techniques there? I read a lot of books. Um, so I have a Kindle, I have the Kindle app on my phone as well. So I downloaded a ton of books before I left and books are like my little um, TV, like my little switch off. So I um, just dive in into a good book and they're always trash fantasy and absolutely not what you would think a solo sailor sailing around Antarctica would read, but they're good value and they're entertaining and um, more than anything, it takes me out of the setting that I'm in and puts me in a different location. And um, I always tell people, because they keep trying to give me sailing documentaries or sailing books to read. And I'm like, no, no, I don't read any sailing books at sea. I'm already sailing. I, I, I can't read them. Um, so yeah, it's just full entertainment value. So um, definitely reading books. Um, I've got some DVDs on a hard drive as well, um, some TV series. Um, so yeah, just sort of watching those occasionally breaks things up. But I don't get a lot of time to actually watch things because it's normally too long a period of time of me sitting stationary with everything going on um, there's about six hours a day of actual work that has to happen between microplastic changes and and downloading group files and writing blogs and doing the videos and editing and, and all of that and then there's the additional stuff which is weather dependent um, which is all your cell changes and and making sure that you're um, on track and and then you've got your maintenance on top of that so there's not a huge amount of just general sitting around. Um, and if there is, I always try and have like my breakfast, which is my hot bowl of porridge. Um, and I read my book for half an hour. And I always try and just, even if I have to go on deck for a couple hours and do things first and then come and have a late breakfast, that's like a little bit of a me time on board the boat. Um, and then dinner is much the same. So um, I don't try and eat while I'm watching the winds and the waves and, and making tactical decisions. I try and just sort of zone out, enjoy the food, 
enjoy the book or whatever I'm doing and, um, and take that as my rest period. Mm. I can understand the, the genre to remove you and give yourself a break. It makes a lot of mm. sense to me. And so it's the whole thing. You've got, to be, yeah. you've got to be strong. You've got to be brave. You've got to have a good boat, but you've also got to have the mental attitude across, across the board about everything. And is that easy to maintain? Do you have techniques to keep that positive? Well, I mean, I, I live by the value that life's an attitude. You can choose to be negative. You can choose to be positive. You can choose, but it's always your choice how you take things. So for me, I've chosen that this is a record I want to undertake. This is purely voluntarily putting myself out here, going through hell, but... I've I'm done this to myself. So there's no one to blame. There's no reason to be grouchy because the weather's not playing nice. Like I definitely do have bad days, um, but I try and minimize those bad days. Um, and I have found that the bad days are directly connected to sleep deprivation. Um, so I can handle pretty well anything that's thrown at me as long as I'm rested. If I'm heavily sleep deprived, I start getting grouchy and I start kind of getting frustrated with things on the boat when they're not going as they should and um yeah so then i know okay i need to take a step back get some more sleep ease off on the performance and then i get to a much better mental health um at sea but yeah i mean there's certainly time i have to religiously remind myself that i've worked very very hard to go and put myself through hell out in the southern ocean and i can't complain about it now that i'm here <laughs> Part of that, part of that mental attitude, and it's it's important to me, as you know, is food. And I read about the Mexican you made the other night, and then oh yeah, um, yeah. So how's that going? I know you're vegan, and are you getting good food and enjoying that? Yeah, I have. Um, so yeah, food is really fundamental to any crew, whether it's a fully crewed boat or a solo boat food is like your whole world revolves around what's the wind doing when can you sleep next and what's your next meal going to be and you spend hours dreaming about that next meal so you want to make it good um so i have found a couple of new freeze dried companies because i went from vegetarian to vegan um at the beginning of 2020 so i am trialing a lot of the meals i haven't had before so i've been just sort of trying to figure them out and and decide if I like them. But overall, the food's been very, very good. So yeah, there's this company called um, Outdoor Herbivores in the US, and they actually make freeze-dried salads, um, which is, and they're cold rehydrated, which I never heard of before. But one of the biggest things I craved out here last time was fresh food. And it gives you enough of an idea of fresh food when it's rehydrated broccoli with dressings and, you know, and it's, um, it's really, really tasty, good stuff. Um, and then there's another company called Mary Jane Farms in the US that um, do all organic um, freeze-dried food. They do some meat-based dishes, mostly vegetarian and a, and a range of vegan as well. And um, they've always been very, very good as well. So yeah, I just have a mixture of the two. Yeah, fantastic. You're certainly looking healthy on that. You're looking great. Yeah. And with, 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 with keeping going, I know one of the things you talk about you do, which is really important, is your deck checks. How often do you go out on deck, out to the front of the boat to check everything is as it should be? Um, it depends. Yeah, it depends often on the conditions. Um, I won't go out on the bow and do those deck checks if it's really rough conditions because there's no point. Um, but... 
I do a visual check from the cockpit every day, all the time. I do a walk around the back of the deck every day. Um, but the bow section of the deck check, which is really just checking the furlers and the force stays are okay and that there's no chafe on any of the ropes up there. Um, that I normally do sort of every three days, every four days, normally between the storms. I'll um, go through a storm and then I'll go up and have a good check. And the day before the next storm's due, I will go and do a thorough walk through the boat and, and do everything like that and, and do the steering compartment and, and just check it all. So, yeah. Yeah, you've had some... It's normally storm orientated for sure. Yeah, yeah, wise, because your number one priority, I guess, is you and keeping you safe because you're fundamental to the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that's it. Like, if I got injured, no one else is here to sail the boat. Like, if I broke a rib or if I broke my leg or, you know, was washed down the decks by a wave and had a head injury, like, um, you know, so every decision I make is keeping me safe. So that means that I reef early. I put the storm, I, I haven't dropped the storm jib in about three weeks. Um, I've just, when I've had lighter conditions, just flown the storm jib and the other sails that I need for the light airs um, because it removes the risk of me being on the bow of the boat messing with sails. So, um, yeah, so it's all safety, safety, safety. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, and in one of your blogs or one of your, your videos, you know, you, you're on your own. You, you don't have any help. You're so far away from people. And just recently, you've been closer to astronauts than you have anyone on Earth. So um, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so there's an area in our ocean called Point Nemo. Um, it's also called the Pole of Inaccessibility. And it's basically this waypoint in the middle of the ocean that puts you the most remote location from land that you can get anywhere in the world. Um, and at any one time, you're over 1,600 nautical miles from the closest point of land. And um, yeah, so I've just sailed through that a couple of days ago. Um, it's an area of the ocean where the um, aeronautical centers like the International Space Station and the like, NASA, um, where they will land or um, crash satellites and the likes into the ocean because it's the least likely location to have, um, you know, humans basically. Um, so yeah, so, so I've just been sailing through that. <laughs> well, let's get you into the mix. Good. Yeah, yeah, we'll just know this. Yeah. yeah, why not? <laughs> Crikey. Well, I have AIS on board, so in theory they can see that the boat's here and they would in theory not crash anything on top of my boat but uh yeah no i haven't had any issues but <laughs> oh good i'm glad to hear it so when you look and i encourage everyone to look at your maps and, and go and have a look at how big antarctica is and the route you're taking uh going around are you at any point close to a base on antarctica do you know how close you get to human life that's on antarctica I've never calculated that actually. No, um, I've never even looked it up. To be fair, um, you enough to do. No, so I wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell you. Had it? You had enough to do, I think. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's one of those things. I did think 
um, you know, in my planning strategies for emergency management, um, whether there's the, the risk of me having to divert to Antarctica. Um, I don't know if people listening have heard of the book Iceberg by David Lewis. It's probably one of my favorite sailing stories I think I've ever read. And I highly recommend if you can get a copy of it to, to read that book. Um, he was trying to do the record I've done um, and I'm currently doing take two of and he got two weeks out of Australia and dismastered in a tiny little steel hulled boat with a wooden um, plywood cabin top and he um, built a jury rig and that was ripped down in two days he built another jury rig that was ripped down he built another jury rig and ended up limping his way to Antarctica um, because it was safer for him with the wind conditions to actually go to Antarctica um, and, and sail to one of these stations than it was to go back towards Australia, which was only two weeks behind him because of the conditions at the time. Um, so it's a pretty amazing story. He's a great writer and he was a doctor and um, he's written a number of books on um, navigating through the Pacific using traditional Islander methods and the likes as well. So really interesting character, but he, he used Antarctica as his emergency pullout and he actually dry docked his boat in Antarctica using cranes and then built a new mast, got spare a spa and repaired it all and um, and then sailed the boat to Cape Town. So um, yeah, so I had sort of thought that that might be a potential fallout option for me and I had looked into, you know, whether it may or may not be possible if I needed to divert that way due to whatever nature of an emergency and do I need to take charts and, and what are the potential options but I ruled it out as a no-go completely because of the structure of my boat being fiberglass um, the likelihood of me being able to actually survive and even reach Antarctica with this boat would be you know pretty non-existent so my safest choice would be always to go north um, rather than south so yeah so I just sort of ruled it out and I never never got further into looking into you know where Mawson's hut was and and the different stations and yeah, but yeah fair enough. maybe when I get back yeah but did, did you read that book before your record attempt or at what stage did you read that book I'm sort of interested yeah I read David Lewis's book um, yeah way back in 2014 was the first time I read it yeah uh even earlier sorry but pre-clipper pre-clipper so 2011 to 12 somewhere there and then I actually got to meet his son because David's passed over now um but I when I did my trans-Tasman race it was a little serendipity moment and I had borrowed Roger McMillan's boat um Cater at Margaret River which is this little 34 foot aluminium Vanderstadt that I was going to sail solo to New Zealand and back and I'd never sailed solo before in my life and I picked the boat up in Coffs Harbour and we sailed it to um, Pitwater, I motored it down to Pitwater to start doing the refit. But when I was in Coffs Harbour, there was this guy on this boat next to us on this little red kind of 34 foot boat that had just sailed in solo from New Zealand. And it turned out that it was David Lewis's son. Um, and so I got all my tips on solo sailing straight from the horse's mouth and uh, questioned him endlessly and then set off for my first solo sail. Wow. <laughs> And had the inspiration or the sown seed to tackle um, Antarctica. Yeah. 
Yeah, awesome, Lisa. Listen, I'm, I'm going to start wrapping it up now because you are a busy lady. Uh, you have a lot to do and I want you to look after yourself. But we've just touched on books and the book, we have to mention it. And you talked about being dismasted. Um, obviously, this is your first attempt and where you were dismasted. And how else can people help you? They can buy your book, they can buy your merchandise. You know, we've got to get people sharing your story. Can you just let us know how else we can help and support you? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, sharing the content out and getting it out to as many people as possible is a huge help because um, I unfortunately don't have a PR agency helping me this time. So it's all basically word of mouth. So if anyone does have contacts that they think might be interested in covering me for a story or something, that would really help. Um, the other thing is financially, I still haven't raised 100% of the funds for this project. So I'm still trying to raise the last 45,000 to cover the cost of doing the project. Um, so we have these degrees that people can buy um, and they can actually sponsor a degree of the record for 1200 and it's tax deductible. They get a copy of the book, um, they get shout outs across social media and then you own that degree. So as I sail across your degree, you get shout outs and mentions that people would have seen in the blogs. Um, and then we send you a certificate as well. So, uh, and access to the media pack because you officially become a sponsor of the project for that um, tax deductible um, sponsorship there. So um, if people know of anyone that would be interested in becoming a degree sponsor, there are degrees, plenty of degrees still available towards the end of the trip. So there's not, it's not too late to get involved. Um, and I am desperately trying to raise those funds. So even if you can't do a degree, but you can share that the degrees are available or you can ring up your boss and have a chat to them. Um, I know a lot of groups like the Women Who Sail and the likes um, and, you know, Sistership, you guys have sponsored a degree. Um, people have collaborated as well and everyone's put in a hundred dollars and they've bought a degree together so there's lots of different ways to support without it having to be the full amount just from you um so yeah if anyone is possible uh you know or interested in supporting the project financially that way that would be a huge help yeah that's fantastic such a neat but yeah idea. make sure you read the book yeah read the book i i have no time for books of uh, that aren't just grabbed me instantly and your book jesus kept me awake all night it, it was you know i've got to say it because you're a mate and i think a lot of you it was is a it's a great read so people should be reading your book and just like you say share get the word out and collaborate by degree together i'm yeah. i'm a super proud sponsor yeah. and um i you know i've, I've just You've got I've my just, last I, degree before the finish line i think sorry I think sistership training's got the last degree before the finish line. Okay, we are, we are, we're going to be there. Noel and I are just addicted to the tracker and we're there with you. We're talking about you endlessly and um, hoping, <laughs> hoping we can help you get some more support because we have a little bit of an idea of, of the expense, not the whole lot because we're not there with you, but the expense and the work you put in is is just, it's, it's hard to describe. So um, unless there's yeah. anything else you but want it's to add. it's so necessary. It's not frivolous. I was just saying, it's also so necessary. It's not frivolous funding or spending your funds um, to get this souped up racing yacht. It's 
necessary changes to make sure that the safety of the project can go ahead. And then, you know, by sponsoring a degree or supporting the project, people are helping me go out and collect that science and make the boat available to the scientific community and that impact that that's going to have. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really important part of the project. And, uh, yeah, any help would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's a really important point, actually. There is nothing frivolous going on here. I've, I've seen a, I've been a part, <laughs> done a little bit of sailing with Lisa, I'm proud to say, and um, I, I know how hard, how hard you work and then there's nothing frivolous that happens. With that, is there anything else you want to add? Tell us about while you've got the opportunity. Um, anyone who's interested, I am still actively collecting post-it notes. Um, so you can go to the website, go to the Climate Action Now tab and hit get involved. And you can actually email me from anywhere in the world your post-it note message. Um, it has to be an environmental action. So something you're already doing towards a better future. Um, so say uh, you recycle at home, you collect rubbish off the beach every time you go for your walk, uh, you have short showers, you turn the lights off when you leave the room, you install a solar hot water system, like whatever it is that you do as your environmental action, pop it in a post-it note message, email it across, and then for the next record, we'll rewrap the hull of the boat and your messages will actually get on the boat um, for the next record because we all know that this isn't my last record as much as my mother would love it to be my last record <laughs> oh, <mom. laughs> so uh, yeah definitely please get involved uh, well, and then also uh, yeah you can follow there's videos and photos going up daily on the website social media so really great to be able to have um you know canva and pivotal supporting me in a way that allows me to share that content out to you all um because last time i was only able to share like a 30 second video once a week because of the extreme costs of the data charges so to be able to deliver a one minute video every day to you all um and really take you on that journey with me uh, i really love that experience because i love being able to connect to the audience and i love being able to share the journey um and i think it has a lot more power in the journey uh, a lot more success if I'm able to share it out to everyone. So yeah, make sure you jump on social media and um, like the Facebook or the Instagram page and uh, you won't be able to miss an update then. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic idea and everything, you pull it all together with those great post-it notes. And, and this around me is by Canva. I love Canva, I use it all the time. And your blogs with those videos and pictures, we're right there with you. It's really, really great to see. And I'll, I'll share yeah. all those links for everyone so they can, they can connect um, easily from, from this podcast. Yeah. So Lisa, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you and leave you. I, you know, if we get another opportunity, I'd love that. But we're with you all the way, all of us, and you're just doing amazing. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks so much for coming out to the Southern Ocean with me. I can't believe it. It's awesome. It's absolutely <laughs> awesome. And uh, stay safe. I don't need to tell you that, but stay safe. And we'll, we'll talk again soon. I do hope you enjoyed the two interviews with Lisa Blair, I think she is incredible. I just want to do a shout out to Pantenius Yacht Insurance for helping me put these podcasts and videos together. Also to some of Lisa's sponsors, Pivotal for the data. We waited to the end of the month. So if Lisa had extra data available, we did these interviews. So that was great. Technology is an amazing thing. 
to Canva. I use Canva all the time. Producing posters such as this makes life really easy. So I just suggest you have a look. There's a whole host of other supporters and um, sponsors Lisa's ha has. Go over to our website, take a look and become a sponsor, become a supporter, buy a degree, be part of it. You can collaborate with others um, to buy a degree or purchase some merchandise, say hello, or just share something like this. So Lisa gets recognised for her efforts. Um, they are amazing. I hope you can see a bit of that with this video. Aside from that, Lisa Blair's mum, Linda, is amazing. She helped um, me connect with Lisa to do this. Um, I got to know Linda a bit when I sailed with Lisa before. And of course, Lisa's sister, Shelley Blair. Um, they're a wonderful team. It's a really lovely, tight-knit family, and I'm very proud to call them all friends of mine. Apart from that, please go over sistershiptraining.com. We've got lots more videos and articles and say good day. Come over to Turning Your Cruising Dreams Into Reality Facebook page. I put lots of great stuff up there and I like chatting to everyone. So I hope to see you there. In the meantime, I wish you safe sailing. So.